Hey, Cornerstone. Okay, so today is a super, super cool day uh, because today is the first day that our services are live streaming out to our Santan campus. Yeah. Okay, so up until now, they've been watching a DVD of one of our past series. So right about now, because they're seeing me live for the first time, uh, they're trying to figure out how I gained 20 pounds in one week on the deal. It's the camera, okay? It's the camera. Uh, but hey, I just want to say to Santan guys, we are, we're just so thrilled uh, to be doing this together. And, and our desperate prayer is, is that uh, we would just be part of making Jesus wildly famous out in the Santan Valley, that together we would accomplish something that we couldn't have done alone. And so here's what I want us to do today. Uh, I just want us to set apart uh, that Santan campus. So I'm going to ask, would all of you uh, join me in standing, especially you in Santan, will you join me in standing? And we're just going to have a moment of prayer in which we just commit ourselves uh, to this journey uh, together. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for the doors you opened and the opportunities for us to be able uh, to reach out into a community that up until now, uh, we hadn't had uh, much of an effect in. And so God, we're just gonna ask, would you take uh, this moment of us being obedient to what you asked us to do and do something remarkable, that, that Jesus would be absolutely lifted up in the Santan Valley, that God, you would just flood people in to hear this remarkable story about you, and that, God, that that area would be forever changed uh, because of what's getting ready to happen. So, God, we're going to give you the moment and trust you for the moment and just ask you, God, to do what only you can do, bigger and greater than we've ever imagined. God, use that Santan campus for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So you grab a seat. Here's my question of the day. How many of you in the room, how many of you eat vegetables? How many of you honestly say, not a chance? Just didn't really Okay, so here's, here's the answer. The vast, vast, vast majority of us go, okay, I eat vegetables. So here's my question. Why? I mean, why? I mean, I mean when's the last time you went, woohoo, cauliflower? Creamed corn. I mean, I mean, it, it, let's just be honest. It, it's a little hard uh, to get super excited about vegetables. Uh, there, there's a whole lot of other things you could put on your plate, not the least of which is dessert, uh, that uh, has a, a lot, a lot more bazing to it uh, than beets. So why do we eat our vegetables? And, and the answer, I think, is pretty simple. And it's just this that you and I have become absolutely convinced that the benefits, the benefits way outweigh uh, any inconvenience, uh, that, that it's, it's worth the trouble, it's worth the fact that maybe it doesn't have a whole lot of drama and, and excitement, it's worth it in the long run because the benefits way, 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 way outweigh uh, whatever it's required or whatever it takes to eat vegetables. In the Christian realm, uh, eating vegetables uh, equivalent is reading the Bible every single day. Uh, and I get it. I get that uh, many of us go, look, uh, I tried that once. Uh, Lynn, if I'm just honest, it's, it's pretty inconvenient. Uh, I read it, and I, I just got to be honest with you, I, I got done reading the Bible. I didn't get a whole lot out of it. It's just kind of hard uh, to stay consistent 
at doing. And here's what I'm hoping we're going to do today as we have our conversation, that you're going to become absolutely convinced that the benefits of daily being involved in Scripture so outweigh whatever the perceived inconvenience, whatever, whatever that is, you know, whether you've got to pour a little cheese on or not, but whatever, whatever that is, uh, is so much better uh, than a life without the Word of God on a daily basis in your lives. It's Christian equivalent to vegetables. So here we go. We're going to grab our Bibles today. We're going to take a look because uh, Scripture comes back and says, this is absolutely critical uh, to your life and to my life, and that if we neglect it, we neglect this to our own harm. Uh, within our, there'll be a moment in which we'll wish, I wish I had taken the Word of God in more consistently, more thoroughly uh, into my life. So grab your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Psalms. If you're not familiar, if you go right to the middle of your Bible, you're probably going to find it. Uh, book of Psalms, chapter 1. It's the very beginning of this book. Psalms, chapter 1. We're going to start together in verse 1. Uh, here's what it says. Blessed. Blessed is the man. Okay? And, and you get what blessed is. Uh, we've all met somebody that we thought, man, I don't get it. I, how come uh, their life just seems so charmed? I mean, why, why does everything they do turn out uh, so well? See, people who are blessed, uh, they may go through the same problems that you and I go through, but for some reason, it just doesn't seem to affect them the way that it affects the rest of us. It doesn't seem to devastate them the way it devastates the rest of us. And whether that's because they're stronger than us, or, or maybe somewhere there's just divine protection, and what hits us so hard, they seem to be unscathed and protected from it. They're, you ready? Blessed. Uh, th there's moments in which a blessed person makes a decision, and you go, how did that turn out so well? I mean, how did they know to make that decision in that moment? I mean, how come just everything they touch seems to turn to gold? Why are they blessed? Or maybe they make a decision that looks just like the decision you and I make. It just turns out better than us because they're blessed. And Scriptures here says uh, there's a way to position your life. There's a way to prepare yourself to be in the blessings of God. So here it is, back to verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. You ready? But his delight, his absolute thrill, the, the thing that keeps him going, keeps her going, his delight is in the law of the Lord, Scripture, the Bible. And on the Bible, on God's Word, they meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. I mean, the, talk about a life that's positioned in exactly the right place, getting all the nutrients, all the things they need, who yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever this guy does, whatever this gal does, prospers. The ungodly, the wicked, are not so. They are like the chaff. They're like the discarded, chopped up, leftover, dried up product of the harvest that the wind 
blows away. So here Scripture comes back and says that the thing that places our lives, positions you and I to be uncommonly blessed in our lives is, you ready, a knowledge and an obedience to Scripture. So here's my question. How would you like to be blessed? How would you like to live a life in which people look at you and go, I just don't get it? How do they face the same problems and come out unscathed on the other end? How come what blows me away and, and leaves me spinning in my life and they just don't seem to suffer the same harm as me? Why, why do their decisions always turn out gold? How does that happen? Why are they blessed? And Scripture's going to come out. You ready? Scripture's going to come back and say, you want to be blessed? Eat your vegetables. Get into the Word of God consistently because it will literally change the outcome of your life. People will stand back and watch and say, wow, that guy, that gal is blessed. Okay? So let's go back to the passage. Let's just process it through and, and see uh, what it says. So first off, you've got to get the… It starts out by saying, look, if you're going to be blessed… There's actually, there's some things you can't do. There's some things you've got to avoid uh, in your life if this is going to be uh, true for you. And the first thing that he says is, look, you're, you're going to have to consider changing your point of reference. You're going to have to stop listening to the things that other people listen to. You're going to have to stop behaving the way that other people behave. You're going to have to not allow outside sources to, to change your decision-making uh, in your life. So go back. Here it is. Verse 1 again. It says, blessed is the man, you ready, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not stand in the way of sinners, and does not seat, sit in the seat of mockers. So here's three things. Here's the first part. Blessed is a person who does not walk in the counsel of people who are far from God. And he's simply saying, look, that just simply means this, you and I cannot, cannot get our reference for decision-making from what we see on TV or what we experience in movies. As you and I process life, it doesn't matter what our neighbor is going to think or what a professor said in college. It doesn't matter because you and I can't take our counsel, we can't base our life decisions on the information and the wisdom given by people who don't know our Jesus. Because at the end of the day, they don't have all the facts. And they will never come to the same conclusion. And I don't care how smart they are, I don't care how accomplished they are. They cannot be that final place of reference. Maybe this helps. A couple years back, my son Joshua is getting ready to head off to college. And as he's getting ready to go, he says, Dad, I'm thinking about uh, NAU. And I said, okay, uh, but here's my one hesitation as you say that. Uh, I don't know of any really thriving churches up in the Flagstaff area. And, and it, you just need to know it is a huge priority. I mean, this is a deal breaker as far as I'm concerned that, that there be a strong church up there. Because here's the deal. You're going to spend the next four years in a highly secular environment, for the first time in your life, away from your father, away from your mother, away from an awful lot of your friends, and I'm just telling you, I'm not interested 
in you doing that journey and not having the support of a vibrant Bible teaching church. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go on a field trip to Flagstaff and see what type of churches we can find. Now, guys, I'm just going to tell you, a person who does not have a relationship with God would never ask that question. See, here's the deal. I, I, can I just be honest with you? And some of you guys are going to get mad at me. Academics on my list was like three or four. My son being in an environment where he was going to thrive and be supported in his walk with Christ was number one. Scripture is just simply saying you cannot live your life in the council and in the direction of people who don't know your Jesus because they will come up with the wrong questions and absolutely misguided answers. Second thing he says is, not only do you not, can you, do you have to position and say, look, I'm just not going to take my counsel from what's on TV and movies and what everyone else is saying. I'm just going to do it. Second thing is, you can't stand where people who don't know God stand. In other words, you can't live the same way they're living. You can't behave the way that they're behaving. You're going you're gonna to have some distance here, which means, that, guys, you and I are going to do marriage differently than people who don't know God. Young lady, you're going to do dating different than your friends who don't know your Jesus. You, you cannot stand where they stand, and you can't behave uh, where they behave. When, when you and I decide what we're going to do with money, you and I are going to make different decisions about money than people who don't know God make about money. And the truth is, when they see how you and I handle it, they're going to go, you are crazy. And go, yeah, because I'm, I'm processing this completely different than how you're processing money. And he's just simply saying, look, you'll, you cannot, you ready? You cannot stand you cannot behave the way the people who don't know God behave. And then the last one is this. You cannot sit in the seat of the mocker, which is pretty simple. See, people who are far from God look at Scripture and they go, oh, are you kidding me? Really? I love your enemies? That's... No sex before marriage? What you... The Bible is so outdated. It is so off. And, and here's what people who are far from God do with Scripture. They pick and choose. They go, oh, well, that's, you know, that part about being kind. That's, that's a good one. I'll be kind. But then they disregard all the stuff that doesn't make sense to them. And the Bible says, look, if you're going to be blessed by God, you can't live that way. You and I as Christ followers cannot sit in the seat of the mocker going, look, I like these three things about the Bible. I just don't like that passage. And I'm, I, at the end of the day, I think I'm smarter about dating than God is. I think I'm smarter about my finances than God is. I, and so I'm just going to disregard that part of Scripture. And you ready for this? And the Bible simply says this. You can't. You can't do that and be blessed. And, and, and here's what I'm just going to toss to you to process and consider. If you and I choose to listen to the counsel of people who are far from God rather than the counsel of God... If you and I t choose to behave the way that people who don't know God behave, and if we disregard the parts of the Bible that we don't like because we don't like them, then why do you and I expect our lives to turn out any differently than their lives? It would be the, that would be the quickest way not to be blessed. 
He then goes on and says, this is going to have to shift. Your, your point of reference has got to get different. Your, your priorities are going to change when you begin to eat the vegetables. Okay? So go back to the passage with me. Verse 2, here's what it says. But this guy, this gal, this blessed person, this person delights, delights. I mean, they are thrilled out of their mind. They're going, oh, my goodness, what an amazing opportunity. This person delights in the law of the Lord. This person is in love with Scripture. This person says, are you kidding me? You mean God wrote it down and told me what I needed to know? Are, that's remarkable. And in His law, they meditate day and night. Three years ago, uh, we were holding a conference. We, we hold it every single year. It's called Ignite. And uh, what it is, it's a conference for literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors all around the country to come. And uh, two things happen at the conference. One is we try to help uh, these uh, pastors up their game. So we've got this whole breakout thing that we do during Ignite in which we just bring in just remarkable speakers, people who are really accomplished in uh, Christian leadership and in the church, and, and they get a chance to go into these breakout rooms and just learn at their feet. And then uh, we bring them into some main sessions, and we just encourage them all to go out and start more churches, because you realize uh, the church in America is declining. You realize that we are a minority group, and we're getting smaller every year. We're closing more churches than we're opening. Fewer people are going to church every year than are coming. And so we just encourage them, guys, go start some more churches. So three years ago, uh, Ignite Conference, and I was able to talk to my friend, uh, Cal Jernigan from over at Central. Great guy, if you've never met uh, Cal. And I was able to talk him into coming over and teaching uh, one of our breakouts over here. And I was to think this through. Cal Jernigan is leading a church of about 10,000 people. Uh, the, average, the average pastor that we have in the room for this conversation is leading a church of 200 or less. And so uh, here was Cal Jernigan. Uh, he was teaching a breakout for us. And these guys had the opportunity to go in and sit at Cal's feet and learn just leadership stuff uh, from this guy. Three years ago, uh, when Cal taught the breakout, anyone want to guess how many people attended his breakout session? Six. Six. And, and we got done, and I went, you guys are idiots. I mean, wait, you had, you had a guy in the room who knows stuff you don't know yet, who understands things that you don't understand, and with the simplest question, he could have given you the answer in, in six minutes that's going to take you six months to figure out how in the world uh, did you miss that opportunity? Last year, uh, Cal didn't come. <laughs> you can't blame him. So I went back to Cal this year, and I begged him. I said, dude, please give us another chance. Please, please, please come back to the room. And uh, he agreed. He came back to the room. And I walked all over this place. Uh, while the, and I said, guys, you've got to go hear this guy. You've got you've to go listen to what he has to say. You realize that you're having an opportunity to go into a room and talk with a man, what, 20, 30 Guys in a room, his own staff doesn't get that access to him. You've got to get there. This year, his room was packed out. How would you miss that moment? You realize that every single day, 
the creator of the universe offers to do a breakout session. That he says, hey, come spend some time with me. Come get in my word. And the guy who designed life offers to explain life. And I'm just going to tell you guys, if you and I don't go, we're idiots. I don't know any other way. It's cra- How would we miss that moment? And if you and I caught and understood what this is, no wonder this guy, no wonder this gal delights in the opportunity to sit at the feet of God and say, God, explain life to me. If you and I neglect the Word of God, in other words, we just go, look, it's, it's too much effort, and, you know, I, I read it, and I didn't get a lot out of it last time. And if you and I neglect the Word of God, how are we any different than the people who reject the Word of God? I, I mean, guys, if, if you and I who have the Word of God and say we believe in God, if we just simply neglect it so that we don't know what it says about how we're supposed to behave and how we're supposed to treat our spouse and and how we're supposed to… If we just don't know it because we haven't read it and spent time in it, and so therefore we can't do it, how are we any further ahead of the people who reject it? Or isn't the truth that we have rejected it in our neglecting it? He then goes on. He says, here's the crazy part. The the person who gets this right, the person who figures this out, the person who decides to eat their vegetables and get into the Word of God, all of a sudden, their life takes a whole different path. There's there's this sense of a blessed life that happens uh, for them. And so, here we go. Verse 3, here's what it says. This person, this person who delights in the law of the Lord and in that law meditates day and night, verse 3 says, and he or she is like a tree… Planted by streams of water. You got to say, look, this tree is going to grow faster, stronger, bigger than all the rest of the trees in the area because it's sitting right next to the source of water. There's no tree that can even come close to this tree, which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. And you ready for this? And whatever he does, whatever she does, seems to prosper. What did we say about blessed people? They appear to be able to navigate the worst moments of life better than the rest of us. They seem to be unharmed and unscathed and undamaged in that moment. And then somehow their decisions turn out better than our decisions. Isn't that exactly what Scripture's saying here? Uncommonly strong, planted by rivers of water. How many of you figured this out? Somewhere, some moment, life is going to get crummy. Have you figured that out yet? Uh, Somewhere there's going to be a storm. Uh, Somewhere you're going to lose a job. Uh, Somewhere a child's going to get sick. Some some moment your your marriage is not going to be what you hoped your marriage was going to be. It's just inevitable, guys, that somewhere at some point, you and I are going to hit a rough patch in life. Here's the incredible part about it, is that most of us, even those who call ourselves Christ followers, have decided to navigate that in our own strength and in our own wisdom. So it's kind of like uh, this tree. 
and we go, I know, I know the wind's not blowing today, and, and I, I get it, but here's what I also know. I know it will. I know there'll be a rough, rough patch in my life. And so what happens? Uh, the winds start blowing, the conflict comes, and you and I uh, start living in the full brunt of it. Uh, you and I are, are getting blown around by the wind, and you do this long enough, somewhere the tree snaps. Somewhere we reach the limit and we're done. So people who are smart and know the storm's coming, see, we live in Arizona, we know monsoon season's coming. So what do you and I do with our trees? And the answer is just take them. Same storm, same wind. Different result. When, when's the best time to stake a tree? June. Why June? Because it's before the winds. It's before the monsoons. You know what the reality is? Most of us don't even bother staking our tree till the storm's on. See, here's what happens. We lose our job. Our, our marriage is on the verge of falling apart. We've given in to the same temptation over and over and over again, and suddenly, here's what we do. Hey, what does God's Word say about that again? How stupid would that be if you were in the middle of a monsoon and the wind's blowing and you look outside and your neighbor's out there putting in stakes? You go, dude, come on. We all knew this was coming. And the best time to stake a tree is before the wind. And yet as Christians, we do it over and over and over again. And I'm just going to say to you guys, the best time to eat your vegetables, the best time to stake your tree, before you need it. Some of you guys know this story that about two weeks ago, one of our uh, staff members, uh, her husband was uh, spending a day with the boys, uh, spring break, and uh, they'd gone up to the desert just to mess around and have a great father-son day and on the way home, and we don't know exactly what uh, happened, but uh, his truck uh, left uh, the lane. Uh, ran into the back of a semi-truck. The oldest son died. The younger brother is in the hospital right now, broken in dozens of pieces. I'm just going to tell you that before the winds start blowing, you better know what you believe about God. Because if you wait till your child's in the hospital or until the bank is coming to foreclose or the pink slip comes, if you wait till then and some Christian comes walking up to you and says, hey, 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 God works all things for good. If you don't know that before the storm, it'll sound like a Christian fortune cookie.
There's a second thing. Not, not only are Christians who get into the Word and do this consistently uncommonly strong, they, they live through moments in life that would break the rest of us, and somehow they seem to come through with less damage and less torment in their life. But the second thing is, somehow what they put their hands to, what they, the decisions they make, they, they turn out better. It's just like they're blessed. I'm going to suggest that's because when you and I get into Scripture, it brings a clarity and an understanding to our decision-making that you and I cannot humanly have any other way. See, it's not that we're blessed, it's that what we were told is blessed. As a matter of fact, grab your Bibles, keep your finger where it is, and just go with me over a little bit further in Psalms, to Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 115, 105. Psalms 119, verse 105. Here's what David says about the Word of God. David says, you ready? Your Word is a lamp to my feet. It helps me see where I need to go and a light for my path. You, you get what, uh, what David was saying? He's saying, I, you know, I, I, I watch everybody else, and, and as they're trying to navigate life and trying to make life decisions, it's almost like they're doing it in the dark. I mean, I mean, my friends are running into stuff, and they're stumbling over stuff, and I can't, I can't figure out why they can't see that coming, and they can't figure out what's in their way. They're, they're like people stumbling in darkness. And then David says, in contrast to that, your word is suddenly like a lamp in my life. And because I consult with it, and because I use it, and because I reference it, I suddenly can see where I need to put my foot next. I suddenly have so much better understanding so much better clarity in my life because my reference is the Word of God. It's a light unto my path. You know what also is interesting? Is that when David describes this as a lamp uh, within Jewish culture, a lamp was actually a tiny uh, little thing. Matter of fact, it was about the size of what I'm holding here. Most lamps would have been smaller than the palm of someone's hand. And so there's, there's just enough light to see where my next step ought to be, but there's not enough light to see all the way to where I'm going. I think in Western culture, we get this thing, we, we think it's more like a Coleman lantern. And the truth is, wouldn't that be easier for us if we could say, God, look, here's the deal. I, I'm not sure I understand uh, all the things you're saying about dating, but if you could just show me the guy that I'm going to marry if I obey you, and then if I could approve him first. <laughs> you know, this, this whole thing about giving my tithe, I mean, God, I'm just going to say that makes no sense, but if you could show me the corporate job I'm going to have in three, then I could, I could, I could get there. And, and you know what God says? No. No, I'm going to simply show you the next place that you're going to put your foot. And as you and I do that, and as you trust me that by obeying my word, I will bless you, you're going to be surprised 
at how this turns out, just as much as your friends who look at you and go, why is everything about them blessed? But this is not up for your approval. This is dependent on your trust. And will you simply let my word be a lamp that tells you where to put your next foot and doesn't require your sign-off before you join me? How cool, how cool would it be to be one of the blessed ones? That the people in our circle, our relatives, our coworkers, looked at us and said, I just, I don't get it. I don't get why when you face trouble, you, you just come out the other end so much better than I do. I, I don't get why whatever you put your hand to turns out better. It looks like we're making the same decision and it just, it, it works. How, how cool would it be? And Scripture comes back and says, then eat your vegetables. Get daily in the Word of God because the benefits outweigh any inconvenience you perceive. So here's what I'm going to challenge us. Here's what I'm going to ask us to consider doing. I'm going to ask us to consider 30 days. 30 days of eating vegetables. I'm going to ask you to consider setting your alarm clock for 10 minutes earlier. Now I know some of you are going, oh, that would be suffering for Jesus. Just... <laughs> so I get it. I get it. I, I'm asking a lot, okay? But here's the idea. For 30 days, if you and I would simply read one chapter of Scripture, that's going to take you about five minutes, and then the other five minutes you might want to consider a little bit of praying, okay? So, Okay. Five minutes of reading, just one passage of Scripture, a little bit of praying going on, okay? Ten minutes a day, okay? And then here's the other part I'm going to ask you. As you read the Bible, I'm going to ask you as you go through that chapter to find at least one verse that speaks to your heart so that you can, you ready? Meditate on it the rest of the day. That you could spend the rest of the day going, you know what? What would it look like to love my enemy today? What would it look like to offer grace to my cruddy, cruddy boss today? And to take at least one verse of that scripture. That, and then, and you know what I think would be really cool? What if for the next 30 days you and I just simply wrote down the verse? Every, I mean, just, you know, the passage. It was in Romans 3, 6. And then, Love my enemies. For the next 30 days. And I'm, I'm just going to, I just want us to see what, what, would, <laughs> what would happen in our lives if we ate vegetables <laughs> the next 30 days? How much better would you and I be? Now, here's the deal. I get, I get that some of us, you're way ahead of us already, and you're already into daily devotions. You do this, and you, you go, I'm already reading two chapters a day. All right, so what does it mean to take it up a notch? What, what if for the next 30 days you did three chapters a day? And you say, Lynn, I'm already praying 20 minutes a day. Okay, what if you prayed 30 minutes a day for the next 30 days? What, what would it look like to up your game? And guys, some of you are going, I, I don't even know where I'd read. Okay, Proverbs. Proverbs has got 31 chapters written by the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth. How cool would it be to sit at his feet for the next 30 days? Okay? So 30 days, 10 minutes, one verse. And let's find out what would happen if you and I ate our vegetables. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, uh, we just simply come before you. And to be honest... 
we've been eating a lot of cotton candy. Uh, we've been skipping right over the vegetables and heading right into dessert. And, and, and the Simpsons have been more of a reference in our life than the Word of God. And, and we're just going to shift that right now. And we're just going to reposition and readjust our thinking. And we're going to begin to delight in the idea that the creator of the universe is willing to hold a breakout with us. And so, God, for the next 30 days, I'm just going to ask that you would so ingrain this in our hearts that literally every person in this room would say, no, you know what? I'm up for that. I, I can wake up 10 minutes earlier. I can read one chapter of the Bible and spend a couple moments in prayer with God. And I can take a verse and just let that kind of sit on my heart for 24 hours. And I am absolutely intrigued to see what would God would do if I began to eat my vegetables. God, do that with us. Bless us like that tree planted by the rivers of water. May our friends be jealous. May our coworkers not understand what's happening in our lives because we spent time with you. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.